Hey, let's open our Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll pick it up where we left off there. And uh, we, we looked last week at some of these if-then statements, these conditional statements. And the Bible is full of them. The life is really full of them. And, uh, but but this, these verses in uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13... Really, I, 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 didn't, um, I don't think I mentioned this, that these verses are really, they were like a hymn. They were, they were to be sung, and, and you know that when you make something into a song, it's easier to remember, right? And so they would, they would most likely sing these, these words, these verses, and Paul was quoting it. And, but they would remember these things, and they would repeat these things over and over. So some of the things we find in, in this a little section there, uh, verse 11 through 13. If we died with him, then we will also live with him. If we identify with him at the cross, if we have surrendered to him and, and given him our sin, and he, as he died upon the cross, he died for our sins, and we identify with him there, then we will also live with him as well. If we endure says we then we will reign with him if we endure there's a lot of enduring in this life you know i remember the old motorcycle yamaha had a motorcycle called an enduro remember that anybody have one of those an enduro that's what god wants us to be enduros if we disown him he will also disown us in other words if we make a decision to reject to deny he respects our decision he will respect what you and I decide. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful. So all these things speak about believing. They speak about trusting. They speak about following Jesus. And, and really what it boils down to is this solid biblical foundational teaching. And again, for, for you and I, this is what we're going to talk about today this solid foundational biblical teaching, something Paul would bring up again and again, especially in the pastoral epistles, which are what? Anybody know? The pastoral epistles say it real loud. Let the nations sing it louder. I can't hear you. Nobody know? First and second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles, right? So especially in the pastoral epistles, he would bring it up again and again because it's something that is, that is easy to go off track, to take a detour. And that's what Paul was trying to warn Timothy about, and Titus as well. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to go off track than it is to stay on track. We want to take a shortcut, maybe. And I think in our, in our day and age, in our society today, and even in the church today, what, a lot of it is wrapped up in wanting to remain this buzzword of relevant. But not only that, it becomes a need to be entertaining. Right? We want to be entertained. We have a, an American right to be entertained. It is a right. It's a God-given right only to Americans. No, to everyone. It kind of spreads throughout the world. I want to be entertained. Let's look at verses 14 through 18. 
He says there, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to open our hearts to your word. Lord, we pray that you would continue to strengthen us and teach us by your word. Your word is truth. Help us understand what you might want to say to each one of us, maybe how, how it would apply to our lives, to my life today, Lord. May this time be profitable for us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's good. So he says in verse 14 to keep reminding them of these things. Keep reminding them of these things. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like to be reminded of things. Unless I ask you to remind me. Please remind me about that. But you know, when you're growing up and your parents would remind you about stuff, you know, say, what would you say to them? Stop, yeah, I know, stop hassling me. You know, but it was the only way that we actually remember something is if we have, if we're reminded about it, if we hear it more than once, usually. So Paul tells Timothy to keep reminding them about these things. What things? Well, all the things that he's been teaching, but, you know, the context right here is about these very basic fundamental things found in verses uh, you know, 11 through 13, which we just looked at. But I, I like to look back to verse 8 as well, where Paul tells Timothy, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Keep reminding them of these things. We need to come back to Jesus Christ who died for our sins, who was buried, who rose from the dead. It doesn't get any deeper than that. It doesn't get any deeper than that. I want you to know that. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Say, well, I know all that. That's just like first grade, you know. No, that's first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up to a PhD. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Keep reminding them about that. Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated death. You see, to be reminded about things that we already know. Oh, Mom, I already know that. Uh, we got to be careful. We don't get that kind of an attitude with God, right? And maybe you even with me, you know, he said that last week. Now, if I said the same exact words every week, I would understand. You could say, listen, I, I, you know, I've had enough of this reminding stuff, you know. He just read the same sermon that he read last week, that he read the week before and the week before that. I understand that would be kind of bothersome, wouldn't it? That would be kind of bothersome, wouldn't it? That would be kind of bothersome, wouldn't it? See, you see what I'm saying? So... So I understand that, but, but you know, the, the truth of God needs to be repeated. It's a job that, that is never done so that you won't forget what's important, the important things. Peter said it too. You know, Peter was, uh, he was coming to the end of his life, and he said this, so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Even though you know them, I'm going to keep 
reminding you of these things. He said, it's right to refresh your memory. As long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. That's what he said. After I die, and he said, it's coming soon, I want to be sure, so I'm going to, I'm going to say this again at the danger of uh, being repetitious so that you're going to remember when I'm gone. What's important? Remind them. Remind them, Paul tells Timothy here. Remind them of these things. To remind them and to remind you. We all need to be reminded of these solid truths of the Scripture. The solid truths of the Scripture. The second thing he says there in verse 14 is to warn them before God about quarreling, against quarreling about words. To warn them about certain kinds of things that we can get, you know, way off track in. Quarreling about a specific word, for example, is what he's talking about here. Instead of teaching the word, we become quarreling and fighting and arguing. Really, and, and usually what it is, it's usually about minor and obscure points. That things that are, that are, are minor points that we're not really sure how they're going to play out a lot of times. Maybe we don't have the, the whole understanding about it. But the, the things that are the majors, we need to major in the majors and minor in the minors is what we need to do when it comes to God's Word and what we are taught. Turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn back a page to uh, verse 3. What does he say there? If anyone teaches false doctrine, false doctrines, and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So often, these, these people that get off track, it's, in the end, it, it, it goes to feathering their nest, right? To building their bank account, because they've got this new and, and improved version of, of some kind of truth. And if you come here and join with me, and not only if you come here and join with me, but if you also give generously, which helps me to give you more of this special uh, special truth, then you are going to be blessed. So I'd like the ushers to come forward at this time, if possible. Oh yeah, we don't have any baskets. I'm not being proud about that, it's just the reality. We have a, ba a box in the back. So uh, this is kind of what happens, isn't it though? Paul tells Timothy to warn them. Warn them. We have to warn each other. Watch out. Just because a place puts church on the, uh, the door, just because a place even puts Calvary Chapel on the door, doesn't guarantee that, there's, that they're not, they haven't gone off track somewhere. They haven't like, made a detour somewhere, gone off into some weird, strange doctrine that is not really very helpful. And that's what he's saying here in, in uh, 2 Timothy, if you'll turn back with me. He says, it only ruins those who listen. To get stuck in these things, it may help financially those that 
espouse those things, but it, it hurts in the end those who listen. You know, I have, I have seen it even here in New England. You know, when we first came here, there was a, a false uh, uh, teaching the, uh, that, that had spread quite a, a lot here in this area. And you know what? I still, I still to this day find people who were, were they're basically their ability to function normally within a church is ruined because of these false teachings. In the name of, you know, we have the correct take on this doctrine. But they, they've left aside the, the, the genuine, the solid, the foundational, important truths of the, of the scriptures to go off in this other area because we have it. We have it. We have the answers. Come to us. And then it all blows up because of all kinds of different reasons. It all blows up and then you have these hundreds of people in, the, in this area that were radically and horribly confused and hurt. Paul says, warn them about that. Warn them before God about that. Because it doesn't bring good fruit. It's not going to be helpful. Rather, what he says now in verse 15, rather, do your best, Paul says to Timothy, to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Rather, to, to Timothy and to us, to each one of us, he says, he says, do your best, let's get this right. It's important, he says. So, looking at that verse and breaking it down, the first thing he says is to do your best. And this, this means to be diligent. The King James Version says study, and, and technically the word doesn't necessarily mean where you study in front of a book, but that's what it includes, right? Because if you're doing your best and it's dealing with these teachings and doctrine, it's important that you study, right? That, that uh, you don't just get up in front of people and say, okay, Holy Spirit, just give me the right words to say right now. Have you ever any, heard anybody say that? I'm not going to study because I just want God to give me the words when I get there. Now, don't misunderstand me. I believe that, that God by his Holy Spirit, helps us and guides us and gives us the right words. But he also helps us when we study and prepare. We need to know what you're talking about. You don't just, you know, get up there unless you're brilliant, which I'm not, without, like, looking into it, reading about it, studying, asking God, open my eyes, help me to understand what's, what's going on here. Do your best. Be diligent about these things, he says. The second thing he says is, is to present yourself to God as one approved. You know, the number one thing about doing this kind of thing is that we're going to stand before God. And, and to present ourselves to, to Him as one who is approved. What's most important is that He approves of it, right? But I think this is where we have gotten off track in, in many ways, is that we have, we have uh, done it only to get the approval of people, only to make people happy. Only to, you know, have people uh, get excited about it. And, and, and we're not even wondering if God is, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this teaching and, and the understanding of this passage and the understanding of these words? You know, and he'll let you know if you're not. If you're asking him, if you just think, I'm, I'm, he's, he's just let me go. I'm just like out of the gate and I'm going to do whatever I, he, you know, 
whatever I think is right, whatever I think we should do here. But James says in James chapter 3, he said, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. There's a greater responsibility. There's a greater accountability to those who would get up and say, I'm going to teach you something now. Paul said to Timothy in, in chapter 3, though, he said, you know, it's a good thing when people want to step up and to be leaders. It's a good thing if, if that's in your heart and, and to go for it. But keep in mind that it's a responsibility and keep in mind there's an accountability for that. That's why he says here that, it, you know, as one approved, that, that would be a workman who does not need to be ashamed. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. Earlier in the chapter 1, he talked about not being ashamed to testify about Jesus. And then he talked about not being ashamed even in suffering. And now he's saying here, not ashamed of, of teaching what's right, because you've been diligent, because you're doing the right thing. Because you're looking for God's approval and not man's. You know what? I, I, I hate to say this, but there are some that should be ashamed of the things they teach. I don't say that lightly. And, and you know what? I, even thinking about myself, I think there are some things that I have taught that, that perhaps just miss the mark completely, and, I, and I'm not proud of those things. I think we need to be very careful and think about it. We will stand before God and and, and be judged for the way we teach and what we say, how we lead people. Be diligent, he says. Do your best to stick to the word. There's nothing to be ashamed about if we stick to the word. If we veer off from the word of God, that's something to be ashamed of. And it's happening over and over and over in churches all around our country. They've gone off into some strange, you know, strange... Uh, kind of spheres, they should be ashamed that they've left God's word behind. I'm not going to teach that because it makes people unhappy. It makes them angry. The society doesn't like to hear that. It goes against the grain of, of, of what our society is saying, our Supreme Court is saying, or, or whoever. But if it's God's word, we need to stick to the word. Not be ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed to teach God's word. I'm going to be ashamed if I don't teach God's word. Because he says here, the person who's the workman who does not need to be ashamed is someone who correctly handles the word of truth. Who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, there's a there's a word that, this Greek uh, word that is called orthotomeo is the word for correctly handle. And it's also translated rightly divide in, in some translations. But it really is this, it's a civil engineering term. And they were talking about cutting a roadway in a straight, direct path, you see. So what, what we're really seeing is that he says correctly handing the word of the truth is going straight in a direct path, staying in the word, not going off into here, not going off into there, but, but going right down the center, right, right in the middle of what God's trying to say, his word, you see. This fellow went on to say that that, that way people can take a direct route from one place to another, a direct route. He talked about you know, teaching Scripture accurately as a, 
as a single whole without being turned aside to false teaching or man-made agendas or programs. Teaching the Scripture accurately, that's what we are called to do. Accurately handling the Word of Truth. A few versions that I found that I think are, are helpful. The New English Bible said, Be straightforward in your proclamation of the truth. Be straightforward. Don't dance around. Don't try to make things up so they are more palatable, more easy to you know, be taken in. The, the truth is the truth, right? We'll talk more about being entertaining in a minute. Accurately handling the word of truth, a New American Standard. The Amplified, I like this. Accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. That's what Paul is telling any who would take that place. To have this straight course in the word. To stick to the word. To stick to the, the word. No rabbit trails. Warren Wearsby uh, uh, added to this. He said, plowing a straight furrow. Cutting a straight board when you're in construction. Or sewing a straight seam. Now you know what it's like if, if you're you know, plowing. How many of you ever plowed before? A couple of you have, have done it. So, you know, you got to look straight ahead and you got to keep that tractor or whatever you're, is you're using straight to keep that furrow straight, right? Because what happens if you're looking around like this and everything? There, you know, things going like this and people are going, wow, what happened to him? He's probably been drinking or something. Or you're trying to cut a board, you know, if, you, if you're in construction, you're trying to, you know, put a house together, for example, and you cut your boards all crooked, what's going to happen there? It's not going to be pretty. We need to have a straight cut. Cut a straight course, someone said. Sticking to the word. Watching out, I think, one of the things that we need to do for the latest fad doctrines. Any of you know what I mean by that? Fad doctrines? Like the latest fad, what's the latest thing to kind of come through? And over you know, the period of my Christian life, I've seen all kinds of different things come, and they, they kind of you know, blow up for a little while, and then they kind of just fade away. You know, there was a shepherding movement where you know, the, the, the people would have to like, you know, submit to their leaders before they could change their car or before they could do anything. Just to name a, a couple of them, the holy laughter. Any, any of you heard about that one? That kind of a fad doctrine came through and everybody got all excited. They were all laughing about it. Watch out. Watch out. You think, well, I might miss something. Well, if you stay in the Word and if it's from the Lord and if it's good and right and healthy and it's in the Word, then you'll be okay. But if you say, well, well, you know, the Word of God says this, and this is the kind of logic that I've actually heard. The Word of God says this, but our experience tells us this, right? What we have experienced and what we have kind of, how we've kind of seen things happen are like this. Now, we know the Bible says this over here, but our experience tells us this. So we're going to go with this. That's dangerous. 
If you, if you get away from being right here, cutting that straight course right through the Bible, and you're over here into this experience, you're going you're gonna to find some interesting things, but the enemy is going, yeah, right. Let's see what I can sell them next kind of thing. Stick to the word. No twisting of the scripture to say what we want it to say. That happens too. That happens as well. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of who? In the sight of God. Setting forth the truth plainly. We're not going to distort the word. You know, because I have an agenda... You know, you can pretty much, if you want to, you can pretty much make the Bible say what you want it to say, right? If you take, if you take some verses out of context, right? You can, prove that, you can prove that God doesn't exist by using the Bible. Did you know that? If you take verses out of context, there's a verse... In one of the Psalms, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You can take stuff, but you know, if, if you leave off the fool part, there is no, the Bible says there is no God. Really? God is, God is dead. You remember that on Time magazine? God died or God is dead. And everybody went and bought the magazine. Scary. You can distort the word. That's why you need to be diligent. You need to read it and, and study it and, and use tools that have been you know, given to us by men and women of God through the, through the uh, centuries that have studied these things carefully, who know the original languages, and you study these things so that you're not you know, going off on some weird tangent. You see, because these are called commentaries, right? You know that. And, you know... Not that every commentary agrees with every other commentary, but, but I think it's a good a check and a balance kind of thing to see if you're, make sure you're not going off in some weird thing. Be diligent about the background of what's going on. We've been, we've been talking about the background of this letter since it started, Timothy being in prison. Timothy, excuse me, Paul being in prison, speaking to Timothy. Paul, you know, coming to the end of his life, the important things that he had to say about the context, important to understand the context. The three questions I think that are important for us, what does it say? What does it mean and how does it apply to us? What does it say, what does it mean, and how does it apply to us? Anybody know what this is called? Inductive Bible study. You, you've probably heard that term. What does it say? Look at it, read it, study it. What does it mean? Try to understand everything in its context. And how does it apply to me? How does it apply to me? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and what? A light to my path. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, this word that we're talking about, the scripture, it gets into us. It's sharp. It gets in there and cuts us. 
And we need it to. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I like this quote here. I'm going to not tell you who it's from until, you, until the second slide, but look at this. It's not necessary for a preacher to express all his thoughts in one sermon. A preacher should have three principles. First, to make a good beginning and not spend time with many words before coming to the point. Get to the point, preacher. Right? Secondly, to say that which belongs to the subject in chief. Stick to the point and avoid strange and foreign thoughts. And I'm not going to say the last one. Stop at the proper time. Stop at the proper time. You know, David Guzik, who is a pastor and a, a Bible teacher in California, and he's written some great commentaries as well. Uh, he, did a seven, he, did a, he did a workshop at the conference we just went to, and it was 20 ways to preach a boring message. So I just went in there and checked them all off. Yep, got that one, got that one, got that one. But in his, in his introduction, it's interesting, he said this, it's better to have a boring message with the, with the truth than an exciting message with no truth. Now, he wasn't saying that you need to be boring, because obviously he was saying exactly the opposite. But he said if you have a choice between boring and having the truth, or exciting, get very excited, but there's no truth there, it's an easy choice. It's an easy choice. So I'm not going to tell you the 20 points, although his, his first one was, before he even got to the 20 points, is to have 20 points. And then he gave us a message about 20 points. He just kind of lived it out. He fleshed it out right there in front of us. See. It was long. <laughs> oh, boy. I think, I think this is better here, to be understandable, to be clear and interesting, yes, but biblically based. We need to be interesting. We don't need to be boring. You know, and one of the things he said at this thing is, how could someone take this word, which is so exciting, which is so incredible, the, the incredible eternal word of God, and make it some boring book? We should be ashamed of that. And I'm afraid I've done that through the years. But I'm trying. I'm trying to be diligent to make it understandable, to make it clear, but also to make it interesting. But it's got to be biblically based. It's got to be based on the Word. You see, when you, we can make all kinds of interesting and exciting things, but, but leave the Bible out of it. That's not going to help you. It's not going to help anybody. Hello? I hear that. See, my ear's not that bad yet. <laughs> Let's read in verse 16. He said to avoid godless chatter. Correctly handle the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter. Oh, man, listen to that. What is going on here? Do you know how to turn it off, Billy? Well, then go grab it and do it. You know, it used to be where uh, when, when people just started getting cell phones, you know, it was, like, it was like so unheard of that somebody's phone would go off like that. And now it like happens all the time, you know. I'm not bothered by it, but if you don't turn it off, I'm going to get very angry. 
Avoid godless chatter. John, John Corson said about this verse, he said it's a perfect description of American talk shows. TV talk shows. Is that true? That is absolutely true. These talk shows that you see on TV, they're godless chatter, and, and they lead to more ungodliness. Some of the things that they talk about, you know, they may start off okay. You know, we've got this, we've got this idea we're going to start this talk show, but then they, they quickly degenerate into stuff that is so ungodly. And it spreads more and more ungodly. He says in verse 17, their teaching will spread like gangrene. And he talks about these two guys here. It spreads like gangrene. They've wandered away from the truth. You see, false teaching is like that. It spreads. It spreads, and it hurts people. Paul is so serious about this. He says, you better be teaching the right things because it could be like gangrene. I, I, I looked up what gangrene was to have a, a good definition. It says this, gangrene is a condition that occurs when body tissue dies, when that tissue is dead is dead. It's caused, it's caused by a loss of blood supply due to an underlying illness, injury, and or infection. So, but he says that, you know, it requires immediate medical attention. When the blood does no longer get to that area, it starts to become gangrenous and it's dead. And what they eventually have to do is what? Yeah. Cut it off. He says false teaching is like that. It's going to spread. It's got, it's a body tissue that's dying. You know, and, and when, I, when I read this, I, th I thought of this. You know what? It, it really hurts the body of Christ, false teaching does. It really does damage. And it's caused by a loss of blood supply, but, but for us, it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. That's what we're missing out on. It says here they wandered from the truth. You know, it's, a, it's a, usually a little by little thing. And maybe they started off okay. They started off being on the right track, but, you know, they, they began to, like, sort of, you know, tr play around a little bit with this idea, play around a little bit with that idea. And, and, and you know, it doesn't, they don't get up and say, hey, today I'm going to start teaching a false doctrine. And I want you all to listen with me. Listen to me. No, it's like they just start to go off and, and they get away from that straight course in the word. He gives, he gives an example. He says, they say that the resurrection has already taken place. You know, when I read that, I go, wow. God help us if it has. If this is all we have to look forward to, God help us, you know. I got an ear problem. I got a back problem. I got all kinds of problems. Can I take a few minutes to explain to you my problems? <laughs> If this is all it is, if we have no, you know, if we have no hope of a, a, a new heavens and a new earth, a new body that he's going to give to us, man, uh, it, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about what we have promised, what is coming for us. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a new body with hair, okay? I am looking forward to a new body. They said it's already happened. Okay, just keep telling yourself that. 
I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm doing good, I'm doing good. My back feels great. You know, it's just like positive confession thing that I'm going to just keep telling myself. It's good. When we know it isn't. Stick to the word of truth, I think. That's what we need to do. Cut a straight course. Accurately handle the word of truth. Have sound biblical teaching. That's what we desire to do. If we as a church ever get away from the faithful, consistent, solid teaching of this book, please go somewhere else. Am I, am I you know, immune? No, there's nobody immune. But if we stay humble, if we you know, continually ask God to help us and guide us and keep us on the right track, he will. But if we think we know better, watch out. Watch out, we're heading for hurt. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave us your word. You gave us the word of truth, the gospel, and all the rest of the scripture that teach us that, that man is lost and that we have no hope apart from a Savior, and you sent your Son, Jesus, to be the Savior of the world. And that as we trust in him and seek to follow him day after day after day, that path leads home. It leads to heaven. It leads to the things that you have for us, which we read about in your wonderful word. A new heavens and new earth. A place where there's no more tears, no more shame, no more sorrow. No more pain. A place where we will one day have a new body or all the things that you have prepared for us, Lord, uh, we can't even begin to imagine how great they are, how wonderful they are. But you've begun to express them and help us to understand them through your word, by your spirit. May each one of us, Lord, be, be believers who stick to the word, accurately handling the word of truth, not going off into some weird, unusual doctrine but to stick to your word, Lord. I pray for any here today too, Lord, who, who, have, who, are, who are at this place where they don't understand the gospel, they don't understand the truth of it, and that, if that's you today, understand this, that God loves you and he wants to give you eternal life. He's going to give you eternal life and it's found in only one place. It's found in his son, in Jesus. If you open your heart to him and ask him and, and ask him into your life to, to give you that life, that only he can give. He will come in. He will answer that cry, the cry of your heart, as you simply say, Jesus, I'm lost. I need a Savior. Please come in to my life. Come into my heart and save me. I need you today. Lord, you hear the cries of our hearts, each one of us. I know many of us are struggling in different ways and different avenues, Lord. I pray by your word you'd speak to each one of us to encourage us, to strengthen us on the path, that we might follow you all the way home to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?